1: Illinois lawmakers gather in Springfield today to kick off the fall veto session. Legislators are expected to vote on some big-ticket items. We'll hear more about what's on the docket for the fall veto session later in the podcast. But first, we'll start with some potential action on House Bill 3888. That's legislation that would effectively ban emissions of ethylene oxide. I spoke with John Aldrin and Taya Tanaka, two members of the group Stop ETO, that Stop Ethylene Oxide, in Lake County, both of whom happen to be scientists. John Aldrin started us off by sharing when he first became aware of the problem.
2: I as well heard about it in November of last year, but I assumed it would be taken care of, you know. And then <laughs> testing came eventually in, you know, June and July, and we found out in August. And so uh, the numbers came out really high, higher than expected. And at the same time, I live in a neighborhood where I have a, a number of neighbors, you know, five house direction this way and that way, three of them that have that basically battled cancer that matched the Willowbrook cancer uh, cases. And, you know, one of them, uh, breast cancer in her 30s, you know, another boy lost his life 14 years ago. And so, and when Patty came out, uh, just, uh, you know, about that month, same time, it's like, oh, my gosh, it's time to, to wake up. Hmm. Time to...
1: Taya, I want to turn to you. What kind of health issues are, are people reporting to you in the communities of Gurney and Waukingen?
0: Uh, Similar to what John is uh, mentioning, basically a lot of cancers, lymphomas, leukemias, uh, a few of them on little children. Uh, as young as three-year-olds that we have heard of. uh, We know of at least five young children who have gotten these very rare leukemias and lymphomas. And when we hear the word rare cancer, you would think it's maybe one in a million or less than one in a million cases. Um, In our communities, these are not rare. These are popping up everywhere.
1: John, you said when you first heard about this, you sort of said, oh, I'm, they'll, I'm sure they'll take care of it. When did it start to become clear to you that this action wasn't going to happen? Pretty much,
2: uh, you know, this summer, late summer, you know, started really looking at the data. It's my background as, mm-hmm. as a kind of an engineer, data scientist, do a lot of work on non-destructive testing. And when I look at the data, I look at the models, that's something I do as well. And so I started running the models myself, and, and, you know the experts you know said these n- numbers should not be this high you know in all the tests in Willowbrook and elsewhere and so I, that's really really woke me up in particular it's like what the experts are saying from EPA they're not getting the full picture these companies are not collecting 99.9% of the eto by far
1: Tay, as I mentioned at the top, both you and John are scientists, and I understand you, you work with a number of different chemicals on a daily basis, but you found it's been difficult to understand and then communicate with the community about what's happening with ethylene oxide. Talk a little bit about the challenges you face around that issue.
0: Uh, that's absolutely correct. So if this was the same issue as in Michigan, for instance, with water that you visibly see it's turning brown, then people would be more upset about it. However, this is an invisible gas. You cannot smell it. Um, It's almost as if it doesn't exist. So it's difficult for people to comprehend how dangerous this gas is at a very, very minute amount. Uh, And and that message is very difficult to portray because uh, the community has this idea, just like John was saying, that basically if it's there, if it's this bad, somebody would have taken care of it. And what we have come out in the past 12 months, what we have been learning is that nobody's taking care of it. We have to take care of it.
1: We're speaking with two members of the group Stop ETO in Lake County. ETO is ethylene oxide, a cancer-causing gas that's being released into the air by two plants in Waukegan and Gurnee, Medline Industries and Vantage Specialty Chemicals. So, John, Stop ETO has sent around 3,000 postcards to state legislators, encouraging them to pass House Bill 3888 during the legislative session that started today. Tell us what this bill would do. Uh,
2: Essentially, I, I see it as, you know, uh, addressing, you know, bringing down the ethylene oxide levels to a, so we no longer have the risk that, you know, the rest of, you know, communities aren't so close to these emitters are. You know, I think that's fair. You know, uh, second, you know, I think there's enough time in this bill to, for, uh, to allow these companies to change. Uh, to And lastly, you know, there are options. These companies, uh, you know, we're not asking for them to close. You know, we we want, you know, we all want businesses to be successful in Illinois. Business is important, but you know, they shouldn't be, you know, within point one miles of houses and point six miles of I mean, we were not even talking about the explosive, uh, you know, risk of, you know, we've had people die in explosions in Gurney at, at another facility. You know, and, and if, if ethylene oxide tanks would blow, that's uh, another level of explosion. So there's, there's a lot of things, you know, I think this bill will, will you know, it'll, it'll take care of things that were missed, I think, with the bills that came out in June.
1: Taya, is part of the issue here around how much ethylene oxide in the air is actually safe
0: for communities that are living nearby? Um, That's correct. So basically, the previous bills that passed were trying to address the amounts of ethylene oxide that has been emitted. However, in the past few months, we have been learning that it's very difficult to contain emissions of ethylene oxide, and that's what this bill is trying to um, address, basically. If these companies cannot get below a certain amount, then they would have to move away from highly dense populated areas away from daycares and schools. Uh, right now, as they stand, they are very, very close to, to daycares. One daycare by Medline is a stone away, and it's accepting kids as young as six weeks old, and that's unacceptable. We need to have these companies either move or switch to alternative methods of sterilization.
1: I, I want to hear from both of you on this question, because I, I would imagine once you have this information, once you know uh, these these companies are emitting this gas, that life changes in some way for you? Um, John, what has it been like living day to day with this knowledge? It's stressful. I, I mean, I, I've run the, the simulations
2: and I know, you know, when the wind is blowing, you know, out of the southeast, it's heading straight for my house. You know, it, you know do you re- should we really live like this, you know, where you're checking the, the weather do I, you know, so I, it's it's been stressful, you know. I've got kids, uh, middle school, high school age, uh, you know, what's going to happen to them down the road too. I, it's 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 absolutely a worry.
1: Atea, you're pushing state legislators to act on HB 3888, but there are a lot of different entities with power here. You've got the federal Environmental Protection Agency, Governor Pritzker, Lake County authorities. What have you thought about their response to this issue so far?
0: We think that the best way to clamp down on this risk is by passing 3888, because it will ensure us that we don't have to keep policing the emissions from these facilities. If they are further out from populated areas, then we are confident that the EPA can actually police and and do its job. However, As they are in the midst of these communities, it's almost impossible to have a lot of faith agencies doing the right thing, because for the past few decades, they haven't. Um, I'm speaking about the U.S. EPA and the the Illinois EPA. The Illinois EPA regulates the enforcements that are on the books, and that's why it's important to pass 3888, so that we're giving the Illinois EPA a tool that they can use.
1: And just as we wrap up here, John, if... 3888 doesn't pass. Do you all have next steps planned?
2: Uh, we'll continue to fight, you know, uh, whether it's local or whether it's national. I, you know, there's opportunities at different levels of government to, to, you know, push this forward. But this is our best opportunity right now. This is a great opportunity and we're, we're fighting. It's amazing the hours that our whole Stop ETO group are putting in right now. And I just want to say, yeah, it's so impressed by
1: our group. So Thanks. We've been speaking with Taya Tanaka and John Aldrin from the group Stop ETO in Lake County. Taya, John, thanks for speaking with us. Mm, Thanks so much. Thank you for having us. Now let's turn to Michael Hawthorne, the Chicago Tribune reporter who broke the stories about ethylene oxide gas being released into the air in Gurnee and Waukegan. Michael, it's always great to have you on. Great to be with you. So I just first want you to briefly sketch out for our listeners what happened with the Sterogenics plant in Willowbrook in DuPage County.
3: So the the big difference with Sterigenics and, and the Willowbrook community is there was a lot of additional study and analysis by both the federal government and state government. First of all, uh, it, when it first came to attention, when sterogenics first came to the attention of me and and the and the and the public as a whole, um, there was an arm of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that had done an actual assessment uh, based on some mo- limited testing that the U.S. EPA had done in that community, and they found that the risk of cancer in neighborhoods near the stereogenics facility was significantly higher than what the EPA considers to be acceptable. So the one thing we—it's it, it, tough to sometimes um, convey to a layperson that there's an actual, quote, acceptable risk. Mm-hmm. But under uh, laws and regulations, the EPA, at a certain point, must address risks, and especially from toxic chemicals. And, um, and one of those toxic chemicals is ethylene oxide. So first of all, you had this federal government report saying that the risks were off the chart in the Willowbrook, Burr Ridge, uh, Hinsdale community area. That still doesn't exist in in Lake County. Uh, After that, uh, because of the group that organized in in, uh, DuPage County and uh, the Willowbrook area, there was a a whole bunch of ambient air testing where they weren't just relying on uh, computer models to figure out where the pollution was going and how it might impact people. They actually took physical measurements in the community for several months. And in the, in, the, in the course of that time, the Governor Pritzker's administration shut down stereogenics So they had a real world example of what emissions were like on days when wind was blowing from the facility toward a particular monitor. And then after it shut down, what the what the levels were like. And it dropped significantly, almost 100% in, 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 in some cases.
1: Well, speaking of those levels, I mean, how do the levels we've seen in Gurney and Waukegan compare to what's been reported in Willowbrook?
3: Well, it's limited. We we don't really have a lot of a, a apples to apples comparison there. They did find in the limited sampling that Lake County and, and the city of Waukegan, uh and Gurnee paid for. They did find some levels that were on some days higher than what they found on some days near the stereogenics facility. There's not the robust data set. There's not the number of days of testing where you uh, where you could measure uh, emissions um, over certain days and certain weather conditions. Um, it was limited. It was suggestive, but then on top of that, you 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 were asking your previous guests about their legitimate fears about cancer. The other really important piece of of information that the Willowbrook community had was the state of Illinois did what they call a cancer incidence study. And those can be limited, too, because people move away. You can't necessarily track uh, cancers. But but they found a statistically significant increase in certain cancers related to ethylene oxide exposure in and around the sterigenics facility. That study has not been done for the Lake County community. So once again, they don't have that information where they can say, look, this is a problem and you need to do something about it. So if you don't test for something, you're not going to find anything. And if you don't really look at the data, all you have is frankly anecdotal stories about cancer.
1: But the science around ethylene oxide and and what it does to the human body, there's science that shows us the impact it has, correct?
3: Correct. And that's under attack. It's interesting that Medline uh, much like Sterogenics, both companies uh, have gone on the record saying we're doing these things to significantly reduce our emissions. Sterogenics would have been substantially legally required to reduce their emissions. Now, uh, Medline will as well. Um, at the same time, they are part of a, of a much broader effort with, with the national chemical industry to try to undermine the science that the US EPA used. Essentially, what's what's supposed to to uh, to nudge the federal agency to adopt more stringent regulations, more stringent restrictions on the emissions of ethylene oxide that we're way behind on that. And uh, what's happening right now is fearing that they will be held accountable and that they will face potentially very expensive new regulations that would require them to perhaps shift operations shift to other chemical processes which is
1: essentially why the Sterogenics plant remained closed they couldn't they didn't want to pay for the uh, uh, the changes they'd have to make to Well they
3: were they they said that they were ready to do that and and then uh, you know there was there was uh, just a, a you know the the community there was a unity among the community among their elected officials that that they needed to go You had Republican, you know, Chamber of Commerce type uh, state lawmakers saying this company needs to go. The messaging hasn't been quite as uh, unifying in Lake County as it was in the Willowbrook area. And I think that's that's hurt things. But also both the state and federal governments have gone out of their way to ignore The pleas of both people in the communities, Waukegan and Gurney, and also from elected officials like Senators Durbin and and Duckworth and also Representative Schneider and Underwood to do the same kind of testing, long-term testing that they did in Willowbrook. And once again— Essentially, you get the idea that the the, the u s epa the trump administration they don 't want another stereogenics like situation they 're trying to contain this and 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 essentially portray stereogenics as an outlier. Hmm. but you have these communities uh, in Lake County that are uh, very understandably concerned. You have other communities in in uh, Pennsylvania in the Atlanta area. Uh, in Texas and Louisiana that are very concerned about this chemical being emitted into their communities.
1: And, and what I'm recalling now is that sterogenic cited regulatory instability as, as part well, of the reason Well, And they why. lost their lease. well and, and, so. this brings up another issue, though. House Bill 3- 3888 is the one we've been talking about, but there's also House Bill 3885, um, which ETO and Lake County does not support. Can you tell us about that one? Well,
3: that's that's a uh, Bill by uh, Representative Durkin, the House Minority Leader, Jim Durkin, who was a leader of the Get Sterogenics Out of Willowbrook uh, crowd. He's not the same way uh, about this. these two other facilities that are outside of his legislative district. Um, he has sponsored this bill that it was essentially... It would, it would um, how to put it, it would very expressly give authority to home rule communities to do the work that House Bill 3888 would do at the state level. So it would essentially pass the buck to local officials to make those decisions about facilities in their communities.
1: You know, Michael, one of the challenges around this story is that the health effects can take some time to develop. So when we just take a step back from the story and look at the kind of research that needs to happen long, longitudinally, like what needs to happen long term to track the impact. What really needs to happen, and what layer of government should that be happening at?
3: Well, that's a really tough question. Uh, it, uh, I, it, those long-term studies are are very difficult to get started. Uh, to get funded by either the National Science Foundation or whatever, some entity, the National Institutes of Health. You just don't see those very often. What often happens is uh, because human testing is, in most cases, illegal and unethical, uh, you you base uh, regulation on workplace studies. And so in this case, the US EPA relied on a, on a really well-done study of 18,000 sterilization plant workers where they could track their health, and they could also track their exposures over time. And they found that that this chemical is especially uh, related to breast cancer, leukemia, and lymphomas. And then what happens is when you're taking a workplace study, you apply all these safety factors, is what they what they call them. You basically kind of ratchet it down to uh, protect the general population, and so you you're, you're you're applying factors to to account for people who are more sensitive to chemical exposures. Ethylene oxide is really interesting because it also was the first time the EPA used a factor that that accounted for the fact that children are different than adults. And that is something that the chemical industry really doesn't like. They don't want that to be a precedent for other chemicals. And that's why they've kind of drawn a line in the sand with ethylene oxide and why you're hearing all this stuff from companies like Medline that somehow what they're doing is good enough.
1: We've been speaking with Michael Hawthorne from the Chicago Tribune about efforts to stop the emission of a cancer-causing gas, ethylene oxide, from two sterilization plants in Lake County. Michael, we'd love to have you back as the story continues to unfold. Thanks. Evolve. Congratulations on the new show. Thanks. Lawmakers head back to the state capitol today, kicking off its annual veto session this week they consider new legislation and any vetoes signed by Governor J.B. Pritzker. The six-day fall veto session comes amid a sweeping federal investigation, and days after Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot announced her plans to close the city's $838 million budget gap, in part by asking the state for help. I checked in with Brian Mackey, the state government and politics reporter for WUIS-NPR Illinois, and he gave a rundown on what's on the agenda this fall, including changes to the state's casino law that could benefit Chicago, but get pushback from others.
4: There's the question of ownership. Chicago wants to have a city owned casino, which has long been a dream of some and a nightmare of others. I think if you are the type of person who's inclined to think skeptically about government's ability to uh, play in a realm that is often or that is usually reserved for the private sector, uh, there are some people who are worried about this sort of. Clout uh ramifications that would come with you know having all those casino jobs and all that casino money, uh, but yeah, any sort of gambling legislation is sort of a, a miracle when it manages to pass in springfield this this latest piece of legislation has been years and years in the making, and it finally passed this spring, all the stars aligned, and now Chicago wants to go back in and reopen that can of worms, and that is something that uh, is going to I think it's proving vexing for based on people I've talked to. However, that money is critical towards funding the so-called vertical aspects of that big statewide infrastructure plan I was talking about. These are money for building schools, for college campus uh, renovations in buildings. And so for that reason, people are eager to see that Chicago casino get up and running and make money and have that money flowing into state coffers so it can be used for infrastructure. But uh, there are a lot of questions, and again, it comes back to, this idea of horse trading and, and a, a Christmas tree. How many metaphors can I pull in here? You know, gambling <laughs> bills are often described as Christmas trees because everybody wants to put their ornament on it and so you've got to just, just have it pretty enough without toppling of its own weight. So how big of a push does or life would have here? Well, I mean, uh, that will remain to be seen. There's a two week veto session. We're just at the beginning of week one, and then they take a week back in the district, and then they come back here to Springfield uh, two weeks from now. And so she has a lot of work to do. There was, I've seen some reporting that the governor wants to help her uh, with this. Although, on the other hand, uh, the governor was blindsided a few weeks ago. We saw that with uh, the mayor's idea of having a city owned casino. He read about it in the papers, his people said. So, uh, they need to get on the same page they need to to work together on this of course the distraction for the mayor she has other things to worry about in chicago with in terms of the teachers strike so there's a a lot of uh, a lot of moving parts here for her to try and uh to, to, to bring this all together.
1: Well, Brian, I, I want to hear a little bit more about other legislation um, that might come up for hearings. We are talking about like a ban on flavored vaping products, uh, legislation to allow college athletes to sign endorsement deals. Run us through what's on the slate.
4: Yeah, that last one you mentioned, the the legislation regarding college athletes, follows a similar law that was signed in California. It would basically say that college athletes can now do endorsements. They can hire an agent. They can monetize their likeness. Uh, Governor Pritzker gave that a big boost uh, this morning, Monday morning, as we go to air, uh, held a news conference with the sponsors of the bill, said he supports it. The... Uh, backers of this legislation frame it as a civil rights issue they say if you're a banned student who gets a scholarship to college. You can go play piano or or whatever your instrument is at a bar on the weekend, make a little extra money. But if you're a college athlete, you can't do that. And they say that this is uh, an issue of fairness and justice. And while schools are reaping tons of money, while the NCAA is reaping a lot of money off of college athletes, they think that the players themselves should be allowed to tap into that. You also mentioned uh, flavored vaping products. We've had this national outbreak of lung disease thought to be related to vaping, which elevated the prominence of this issue. But there has been a long-term concern about the rise in vaping among teenagers. Just earlier this year, the state passed a law banning any tobacco vaping products for people under age 21. But this would go further and ban flavored vaping products, which are thought to be very appealing to young people. There is some concern because it would also take in menthol cigarettes, which is a popular flavor, and there's been some thought that there will be pushback on that, even from among lawmakers. I've heard one lawmaker who is a smoker of menthol cigarettes who has questions about this. But those are uh, two of the bills that that uh, are coming up. There's another one we can talk about, the insulin one. I don't know where you want to take the conversation well, from Well, yeah, there. so
1: this one's interesting. It would put a $100 monthly cap on insulin prices for people with insurance, and, and this is following uh, some similar legislation passed in Colorado. Talk about that. Yeah, this is uh, State Senator Andy Menar,
4: who's a Democrat from a little bit south of Springfield, he has said he's heard from constituents and others that if you are on insulin, you can be paying $400, $500, even $600 a month. And these are people who have insurance. And so that that is a huge amount of money for a life-saving drug. And you hear stories of people who are rationing. Maybe they only use half their supply of this life-saving drug. That's no way to live. Uh, he says. And so he is pushing this legislation, as you said, follow something in Colorado. It would put a monthly cap of $100. Now, it's going to have a limited effect because, as you said, it's only for people with insurance. But the sponsor says that he thinks this is probably the best way Uh, that legally the state can do this you know it'd be better he says to have federal action to put this sort of price cap or price control in nationwide
1: so we've got a democratic majority in the state house and senate a democratic governor jb pritzker how do you think this veto session is going to compare to veto sessions under former governor bruce rauner Well, you often had uh, very contentious fights over
4: actual vetoes. This time around, there were very few vetoes. I would say probably most of the vetoes I saw were the governor had just already signed a bill that happened that two of them passed that did the same thing. So he just had to veto what? There was another veto where the sponsor said, you know what? I agree with the governor, and I think I should rework this legislation. So there's not going to be that sort of contentiousness. Rather, this is just sort of an opportunity to try to get some little things done. And if they can do what
1: Mayor Lightfoot is asking, them to do. Get some big things done. And that's a wrap for today's Reset. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast and tell a friend. We drop shows into your feed six days a week in an easy-to-digest size, keeping you up to date on the important things happening in and around Chicago. Until next time, I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and let's talk again soon.